0: Anime's lit. So about family.
1: <laughs> I can't believe we got the real, actual Vin Diesel on our podcast. Wow. Welcome,
2: um, Vin. It's
0: nice to be here. <laughs> Talk about my favorite animation studio, Bones. <laughs> my favorite NetGen animator, user Tachikawa.
2: <laughs> if you and The Rock got into a fight for real, would you win?
0: The Rock, he's kind of... You know, he's kind of like the Teru <laughs> to my mob.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know what they say about a
2: street fight, right? What what do they say?
0: The street always wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. If everyone is not special, maybe you can not be what you want to be. Tune,
1: tune, Welcome to Anime's Lit. I'm Kay. I'm Danny. This is a podcast where we talk about anime like it's literature, except fun and not boring. We're back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> After a long awaited hiatus, stuff happened, life happened. We're back.
4: Mm-hmm. We, Anime's happening
3: now. We were actually wanting to come back a little bit sooner, but we wanted to wait until the end of a recently aired season of a show we're really excited to talk about, which is
1: Mob Psycho 100. <laughs>
3: And on the pod today, we have two guests, both returning guests, actually. Mark, would you introduce yourself?
1: Uh, hi, I'm Mark
0: Schultz from Odo Anime. I would say it is an absolute pleasure to be back, but uh, to the listener, this is my first time on the podcast, so thanks for having me.
3: I oh. guess technically, yeah, <laughs> uh, we were on your pod. That's right. Yes, you yeah. have been on oh, on right.
0: my no longer existing kind of podcast a number of times, so I'm glad to finally be able to reciprocate that. So thanks for having
3: me. We figured it's a good one to have you on for. The common episode will happen, I swear to God. <laughs> and now I can't remember if we've had... Oh, yeah, we did, obviously. Yes, we did. But no, the Angel's Egg was your pod, right, Subs? Correct. Subs, would you introduce yourself?
2: Uh, Shiro T. Poison, checking in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. Uh, it's the Subtle Doctor from Water We Desho that we do a really bad anime podcast that's hopefully so bad it loops back around to being kind of good it's the idea and yeah we've had uh the fine folks here at anime is lit on on our show before thank you so much for having me uh on your show this time and uh it's good also to talk with you again mark we've been on oh no anime for devil man and uh yeah it's a pleasure to hang out with you guys and Talk about this excellent show.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's right. We all technically have all been on a podcast before, just not this one. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, the gang's yes. all here again.
0: <laughs> Much like the Fast and the Furious, anime is lit. It's all about family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Mob Psycho 100. Yeah. It's a good anime.
3: <laughs> sure as heck was. All right, so Mo- Mob Psycho, when did it actually come out, Mark?
0: 2016, uh, 2016, yeah,
3: yeah. I um, remember when it came out, I sat you down and we watched the first episode, and we were like, eh. Nice, and then we just <laughs> dropped it, even though everybody was like, That's the best thing, you gotta watch it. We were like, Uh huh, sure, for some reason. And we just did not come back to it until season two was coming out. And all the while, I was like, I know it's good, I gotta watch it, I don't know what my issue was. I, I like, couldn't really get a good feel for the show from the first episode. Anyway, everyone was right. It is incredible and Mm -hmm. absolutely worth everyone's time if you haven't seen it before.
0: I feel like this is going to be a running theme uh, somewhat on the show, but I do feel like the first season was really, especially the discourse around the first season, was really dominated by the discourse about the production, Yeah, uh, which we'll Mm -hmm. get into in a second, just because it was such a unique production and basically all, from, from all standpoints, but um, I also, f- like, re-watching it really feel like the show kind of puts the production first in the first season in a lot of ways, and only in the second season does the story sort of start to uh, be the star, I think. Um, I-, I don't know if y'all agree with that, but that's kind of my feeling, uh, and I can definitely see why y'all would not, uh, you know, with, I think... Danny, as you said, the Sakuga bros, Mm -hmm. uh, like, very heavily dominating the discourse around the show in its first season, I I really think, um, you know, I I can understand why it took you this long to get on board uh, with that being, like, so much of its selling point on the surface.
1: Yeah, I think that really is, like, what happened. I heard, like, when it was first coming out, I only heard about it from Sakuga people, and I was like, well, this is a show for Sakuga people that's not going to have any, like, character substance and that was the wrongest i've ever been maybe
3: yeah personally i watch a show if i love the characters (laughs) and like the emotion behind it so i was like oh it's cool to look at it and it's like important like (laughs) like as a piece of art so that's cool i should get to that eventually and just didn't realize that it would be a like knife in the heart
2: (laughs) i thought the same thing at the beginning you know on the the first episode i was like oh we have a kind of an animator sandbox here a playhouse for them to do whatever they want which is cool but not necessarily what I'm drawn to like first but um luckily for me we were covering it at uh wave motion Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I was watching it as it aired every week and not too long after the first episode like probably around episode three is when I realized that there was a lot to the show and while I agree like that the discourse around season one I think that's a very astute point mark like it was dominated by animation production stuff uh I was I was trying to write about the story (laughs) every week um and that's what like I really liked about it and then when season two like came out like I remember like I I saw some write-ups about episode one and people were like writing about the story like as if that was the way to do it. Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa, this is not what you did." I think three years ago. Yeah, I think there <laughs> the was the first episode
0: shift. of season two really helped to shift the discourse. Yeah, well, yeah. and we can get into this later because we still have not even like introed the show really. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely there there was some big differences uh, in discourse between the first and the second seasons, which I really appreciated um, because yeah. I, I think. You know, if you watch these shows in real time, like I know all of us do, um, you know, the the sort of prevailing anti-Twitter discourse, which, again, is another thing that we all are sort of not beholden to, but, like, definitely participate in. Mm-hmm. And cursed I, with. Yeah, cursed with yes. is, is definitely <laughs> yeah. good. But, yeah, it, it's yeah. sort of it, – it it's impossible for it not in some way to color your perception of the show. Um, that being said, having rewatched the first season now, uh, I – yeah, I definitely uh, tried not to focus on the production as as much as I did the first time around, and, and I think was rewarded for it.
3: Yeah, and not to say that the story is like lacking in season one, like not at all. No. it was just like no, I think no, no, no. the novelty of the production was really uh, front and center, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, because it it yeah. is so it's so it looks so different from a lot of current stuff, especially, mm-hmm. and it is like it is a little bit experimental, quote unquote, and just it like, was it was a called
0: shot from bones like they all knew that it was going to shock basically everyone for reasons that i'll get into soon Mm -hmm. um and uh it was also very clearly a way for them to like get the show some like buzz going with the show because i think everybody there sensed that one the original mangaka had really written a very special story Mm -hmm. uh and i think they saw the potential in it and used the production to their advantage in in making that possible, which is why I think the discourse was able to shift in the second season to where everybody finally realized like, Oh yeah, this isn't just like, you know, a show about a studio. That's really good at animation. It's like got an actual story and it's really good.
3: Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, Danny, for anyone who's listening to this, who hasn't seen it, do you want to give a quick plot summary? Sure thing.
3: If you have seen art or Gifts running around of a little bowl cut looking boy with kind of an egg head <laughs> um in uh in a black akara that is mob and he has psychic powers so the premise of the show i'm going to read this off is kageyama shigeo nicknamed mob because he doesn't stand out among other people is a boy who has trouble expressing himself initially but who happens to have amazing psychic powers Mob is determined to live a normal life, and he keeps his ESP suppressed, but when his emotions surge to a level of 100%, something terrible happens to him. And as he's surrounded by false espers, evil spirits, and mysterious organizations, what will Mob think? What choices will he make? (laughs) Tune in to find out. (laughs) That's just a, like, kind of a vague introduction but there's so much that happens in the show yeah. and there's so many characters
1: as we say with almost every episode that we do nowadays if you haven't seen the show just go watch it Absolutely just go check go it out it. just turn this off for sure
3: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it has it seriously has everything it has it's really funny it's extremely entertaining it's it it'll just blow you away with the animation and the story and the characters and it's like really hard to nail it into one genre of anime yeah. also because like, there's is- a lot of action but
1: it is, like, very comedic, but also like very dramatic.
3: Yeah, and not not necessarily targeted at one age group either. It's definitely yeah, not targeted it's, down an age group.
0: It's no. very, um, it's very much in the vein of well, I mean, I you know, obviously, it's in the vein of One Punch Man, even though mm-hmm. One Punch Man is a puddle compared to Mob Psychos' fucking Mariana Trench of yeah. depth, <laughs> uh, but uh but you you know yeah obviously uh both of them are by the same mangaka but i I, you know i would put it in in a uh, like a space dandy realm of um Mm. it's got a lot of comedy and a lot of thoughtfulness and a lot of earnestness um that kind of can can bounce back and forth really fast um yeah if for some reason you're listening to this and haven't watched the show uh that's sort of the the realm that I would put it in it's a very specific kind of anime, which I think does have a genre. I just don't think that genre has a name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One one anime that that Cowboy
2: Bebop, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, anime (laughs) that like are kind of like Futurama but better.
3: One yeah, one asterisk I would say on that as far as space dandy, it's like less like adult themed at all. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's like a uh, very earnest completely unsexual yeah space dandy <laughs> yeah
3: like about, the only like, reason i would teens. not show this show... actually about middle school students yeah the only reason i wouldn't show this show to kids of any age is because it, the action and violence can get pretty pretty intense sometimes but like and there are scenes mm-hmm. in the
0: second season which are genuinely terrifying yep. yeah like i
3: wouldn't yep. show it to young kids but only for the violence nothing else
1: like... yeah yeah
2: it's uh dark but uh I wouldn't necessarily say like edgy. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like very. It's got an honest yeah. darkness. Yeah, it's not like nihilistic it, especially in uh, season yeah. two. It's not cynical. There are a lot of definitely not
0: instances of cartoon violence that can very easily start bumping up into real brutality. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but never shockingly so.
3: All right, so.
2: Teru's hair for a while. <laughs> Very <laughs> violent. Did violence to my psyche. Certainly shocking
0: the first time you see it.
2: But the uh, final thing I'll say is I think, like, no matter how you kind of want to categorize it, I think the show will pretty well ace the three-episode test for just about everybody. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely,
3: That's a good. That's a good measure of it. If you're not hooked by the first episode, which we weren't initially, yeah. but only because we had yeah. weird assumptions going in, I think, it yeah. is... It is extremely I, worth everybody's time, and it's a very, very rewarding show. Yeah.
0: I think if you're a fan of interesting-looking stuff, the first uh, 30 seconds will probably uh, hook <laughs> you for the entire series. Yes. The opening sequence to episode one is just, like—I watched it again yesterday, and my jaw dropped open again. <laughs> yeah. I was just like— I That can't part in this. particular— <laughs>
2: It is very space dandy, I feel. It is, yeah. opening
0: And same studios and a lot of the same animators, but um, still, you know.
3: Yeah, basically it's impossible to, like, oversell this anime.
0: Yeah, it's good. For sure. It's... uh, I'm going to... This is a refrain I'm going to repeat uh, a number of times. Uh, I'm going to put it in uh, one of the greatest ever made category. Um, I I don't think that's... uh, at
3: all hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's top five for me. And I, like, unless, you know, I'm doing a podcast, I will usually never rewatch stuff. But I've rewatched the first season of Mob like half a dozen times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's we, a very easy rewatch.
1: Yeah. We've been going through it with our, um like, our friend group that gets together to watch anime. And they're also enjoying it, and it's like it's been really nice to, to see it again and to see other people experience it for the first time again. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Mm. Um, so we've teased about the production quite a bit, but do you want to talk about it, Mark? Um, yeah,
0: and I'll try to keep this fairly brief. I have some pretty extensive notes on it, but I'll try to uh, run through it. Um, there's, there's sort of uh, a couple of key points I want to illustrate here when talking about what exactly makes this uh, special. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is, is, uh, the two people that I think you could probably credit, um, you know, anime doesn't really have co-creators or creators in the sense that somebody created a series, but, uh, the two guys who basically are, are just sort of behind this series, I would say are, are two, um, somewhat young, uh, animators that work at Bones. Uh, their names are Yuzuru Tachikawa. is the series director, and Yoshimichi Kameda, who is the series character designer, Uh, they both actually, uh, and this is a fact that surprised the hell out of me, they both actually just entered the industry in 2006, uh, which is an extremely, extremely short turnover between starting as an animator and directing a series like Mob Psycho 100. (laughs) It's uh, just over a decade uh, in the industry, and they're already doing this, which should give you an idea of just how ridiculously talented both of them are. Um, Tachikawa, the director, um, he started to work on, um, uh, he, he had some breakout moments on Bleach, uh, and then he actually co-created, uh, the anime, anime Mirai, uh, short Death Billiards, and then later Death Parade, uh, mm-hmm. oh, wow. with a frequent mm. collaborator named Shinichi Karita. Um, and then he directed, uh, weirdly enough, episode seven of both Attack on Titan and Kill a Kill, <laughs> um, and he also co-directed, uh, Terror in Resonance with Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, which is a would be a big credit <laughs> on its own on anybody's resume, mm-hmm. but um, and then Yoshimichi Kameda, the character designer, um, he's actually a really big uh, Gynax fanboy, which should not surprise anybody given what the show is like. Yeah. Uh, specifically, if Hiroyuki Maishi, Kazuya Tsurumaki, and uh, Hideaki Ano, which are you know like basically Gynax incarnate, at least for the last twenty <laughs> years. Um, he was rejected by Gynax three times uh, and ended up at uh, a studio named AIC, partially because they collaborated with Gynax a lot in the mid 2000s. Uh, his breakout was on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, specifically Episode 5. Um, he had a couple of standout stuff, and then Bones kind of saw him and, and kept giving him work, and then eventually ended up working for them as a main animator. Uh, and funnily enough, he eventually ended up working with all three of his heroes from Gainax. Uh, he did key animation on Kill a Kill, which was directed by Amaishi. Uh, he did character design and animation direction on uh, Tsudomaki's Dragon Dentist, and then he key animated on uh, Evangelion 3.0. Wow. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where these two guys are coming from, and they're, uh, I think, a lot of the impetus for sort of how the show is created. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure.
2: Do you think... Uh... He just sometimes sees like Sadamoto in the street and is just like, Well, 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 <laughs> <laughs> look who's on top of the mountain now.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't know if literally anybody on earth could feel superior to Yoshiki Sadamoto, but uh, uh, you know, I, I would be. Far be it for me, especially somebody who only entered the industry in 2006, considering Sadamoto's been working since like the early 1980s. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dude's basically. <laughs> no, yeah, I kid. I just think no, Gynax is like a
2: file cabinet right now. Oh, no,
0: Gynax is like <laughs> literally less than nothing in terms of animation studios, especially when compared to Bones. Uh, and speaking of Bones, so yeah, this is a. This uh, Mob Psycho 100 is animated by a studio uh, called Bones. They've been around since the uh, late 1980s. Um, and right now they're basically one of the best and most consistent animation studios uh, at work today. I would say they're probably the best um, in terms of consistency, in terms of quality. I cannot remember the last time they put out an anime that at least looked bad. Um, uh, the major element of TV anime success is time, not budget management. This is actually a major statement that was made by Shingo Natsume, who was the director of One Punch Man that got a lot of press over here. He basically said like, yeah, we have like a very small amount of money, but I know a lot of people and I know how to make them work well, uh, in a short amount of time. And that's basically the key to success. And that is why mob succeeded so much, probably the number one element of their, of its success. Um, the show also has a lot of, uh, young talent working on it. I just told you about those two guys earlier that only entered the industry in 2006, Uh, and there's a lot of uh, sort of what some people would call no-name animators with a lot of talent that are sort of cutting their teeth on this show. Um, The first season alone alone had eight different episode directors uh, and even more uh, animation directors, so there's a lot of uh, sort of joint inconsistency. I'm sure all of you noticed that, uh, you know, the direction was different, episode Mm -hmm. to episode, color, animation basically every cut goes completely off model in a lot of scenes. Like um, it's very consistent with Kameda's like Gainax fanboyism. Cause that was like a really big, like if you've ever watched like fully Coolie, there's like plenty of cuts in that that go just completely off of off model and are just like very wildly inconsistent in, in the, um, in the interest of making like an interesting product. Uh, so that was kind of the, the impetus for, you know, mobs production and and why it was so uh, varied um funnily enough and this is a thing that i totally didn't know and just kind of to wrap it up um the uh mob psycho is actually do- pretty dominated by uh, female talent as well wow. uh, the huh. director of photography is uh, mayuko, mayuko Futumoto, and the art director is uh, rio kono who is probably one of the best art directors working in the industry today uh they're both women um and the majority of key animators on at least the first episode maybe more uh uh were women which is huge, that is huge. that's yeah. like un- that's truly unbelievable because that's just not not the norm um yeah so all of that um plus uh sort of my final point which is um that uh tachikawa the director's vision for the show really blends the old with the new in terms of industry trends um right now anime is really do- dominated by i think what kevin by sakuga blog called the um the ufo table look <laughs> very clean lines mm. uh, heavy use of uh, cgi and post-processing um mm-hmm. and mob psycho is essentially the complete opposite of that um kameda has has done very rough designs which are very consistent with one's original uh you know character designs for the manga but they're you know somewhat evolved uh, and then Rio Kono, the art director, is very dirty, busy vac backgrounds. They're very much like an 80s uh, look and feel. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get too many anime nowadays that make Japan look what it actually looks like, which is dirty and, you know, somewhat roughed up in places, mm-hmm. um, which is a very common thing in the 80s, uh, at least in anime. Um, tons of painted and sketch 2D stuff for reaction shots and visual flavor. Uh, there's not really any obvious use of CGI anywhere. Yeah, actually. Um, I can't remember any. Yeah, like, yeah, hand-drawn vehicles, um, interiors Mm -hmm. and buildings. That's Uh, crazy. There is CGI staff and they are credited on each episode, but they're just not, they're very, like, you know, under the radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But funnily enough, all of this sort of, like, retro style is mixed very heavily with, like, modern typography and holographic effects for the ghosts and the psychic powers. Uh, And then Mio Sato's paint-on-glass animation, which we'll get to, uh, which is a whole... Whole other ball game, but definitely God, so not cool. the norm at all for uh, for modern anime. So, yeah, so those are just sort of the major points about, like, why this show is so good visually is just basically essentially, like, a lot of young talent uh, mixed with a lot of people that really know what they're doing mixed with uh, sort of a desire to make something that's just completely unique and inconsistent with just about every industry trend yeah. there is yeah so
3: that's shows... sorry if that dragged on no not <laughs> no, at all there's fine. a lot of info to get through great. It like the feel of to watch it you can feel the like the energy and like the not not necessarily freedom but just like the emotional freedom that went into the creativity yeah
1: i think energy is a good yeah. word like it is not it does not slow down no no it's um
0: the question that I always have when I watch anime that's made nowadays is, "Boy, this first episode looks good. How long can they keep it up? Yep. Yes, before the production settles in." Mob Psycho does not only quote keep it up; it arguably accelerates <laughs> it into up. the finale. Um, the I was watching the finale earlier today of season one, and just the the sheer density of what in any other show would be considered like a a, a you know earth shatteringly good cut of animation yeah. or bit of direction It is just it's staggering really uh, and it's the type of thing that only really this team but also really only uh, bones or a studio that that has the you know manpower and yeah. uh, time management skills to make this happen it's it's you know it's crazy it's like you <laughs> it's know, not a thing that you see
3: no kidding it's like if you watch a lot of current series even really good series that are airing around now and you go oh that's the episode that they blew all their budget on and that kind of suffers surrounding that episode Mm. it's like every episode feels like that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Mop psycho yeah it's It's good good for for the eyes
0: (laughs) 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 yeah it's you know like i said um the you know the everybody's favorite misconception about anime is that like you just have to throw money at it and it looks good. No, um, it's obviously a lot more of a complicated issue than that. Although money is definitely a factor, I'd say yeah. Time management and just like the like who do you have leading your team? Yeah, like who is your animation director? Like can they get you know can they get these disparate uh, elements to to work together in the time allotted, which is often like never enough. Uh, and not only did they do that here and, and put together a product that looks fantastic, but they did it to an extent that just is not like, I just cannot remember the last anime that, that looked like this. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. episode to episode, because they're not, you know, they're not even, it's a, it's a 12 episode series for two seasons. And I can't remember the, the last time I saw a show that was just episode to episode, just never, never let up. Like I think even you know Space Dandy earlier was talking about that has slow episodes. Mm-hmm. This does not have a slow episode
3: in it. I think the great
0: thing uh, about
2: it, I will submit the Berserk remake. <laughs> Thank no, you. Uh, it doesn't let up. Do it sure doesn't let up. It sure
0: it sure feels exhausting. That's <laughs> that's true.
3: I think going along with that is not. I think to the directors and creators' credit is that it's not just the visuals that succeed that well every episode; it is everything coming together. Yeah, with equal the importance. Writing mm-hmm. is
0: really, um, and the writing is something I I wasn't like the 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 series composite the series I, I should say not the series composer, which is not the right
2: word. What do you say though? That trips me up every yeah. time. Yeah, the
0: per- I just say the person who handled series composition yeah. and the scenario. Uh, is a guy named Hiroshi Hiroshi Seko. And um, looking at... Now, granted, you know...
2: It's a banana fish man, right? Yeah, it is banana fish man.
0: And uh, strangely enough, um, writing credits is the one thing that is is hard to come by on this show. Um, I know most anime series, um, they have a lot of different writers episode to episode, and I would assume given how ridiculously fractured uh, each episode's staff is on Mob Psycho. The same is is the case. Uh, but looking at Hiroshi Seko's credits, they are the most mystifying shit on Earth. <laughs> yes, when you think about are. how solid and tight Mob Psycho's writing is and how yeah. ridiculously good. I mean, he wrote four episodes of Darling in the Franks. He wrote basically God. all of Attack on Titan Ajin Debbie human <laughs> uh, Seraph of the end <laughs> oh residents like the Cabinary uh. of the iron fortress, the script, like it, it's, it's like truly, truly unbelievable that uh, this guy, like his resume is like, you know, forgive me I did, he see, uh, technical-
3: did he spend some time on guilty crown too or am i making that up
0: uh no okay. he he thankfully no <laughs> that he, he's not that show cannot drag down another person
2: you can't come back from that one yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um that's the one credit on here where i'm just like what the what like yeah it's a mixed bag it's truly incredible everybody else on this studio basically or everybody else on this show basically you know everything they touch turns into gold this is that was
1: that was just a list of shows that i have watched and not liked (laughs) so we have established that mob psycho looks good it also feels good yeah should we talk Mm -hmm. about that (laughs) (laughs) um please so
3: speaking of feel goods um obviously all of us are potting about this because we enjoy the show i asked mark you and subs i asked you on for this episode because i've seen you guys be so vocal about not just about how great the show looks but just like how much you love this show like how much it means to you like i've seen both of you Mm. use icons from mob psycho on twitter for long periods of time you just Mm. i feel like both of you really like took the show to heart in a great way and now I understand why because we actually sat down yeah, and watched Yeah, we did sit down and watch it. Yeah. And that, that's really what inspired us to watch it.
1: Mark, you were Onigawara for so long that I can't, I like, the association <laughs> is still there when I watch the show. You were him. It's for so funny so long. because Same. I feel like most people that,
0: that saw, and I'm probably going to switch back to Onigawara after this because as much as I love, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Midori Saved the <gasps> World from space patrol luluko <laughs> i like the onigawara colors a lot better than what mm. i have now Kinda you were him for so long I,
3: I, I asked you if that was a jojo's character
0: <laughs> because <laughs> that's that the thing is I that seen almost JoJo's everybody because i guarantee you most people that watch mob psycho instantly forgot about onigawara after they watched at least the first season no. especially since part four of jojo came after that <laughs> so i feel like most people thought that I was I just had a Josuke uh, <laughs> avatar for the longest time and even uh like even my closest friends who like I talked with mob psycho about a lot like uh thought it was Josuke initially and I was like no no <laughs> it's, it's the thewara like but yeah <laughs> but no, anyway so I
3: all, all of us definitely love this show so I want to talk a little bit about just like what is it about mob psycho that grabbed you specifically like mm. anything about it was it? Like, moments, episodes, characters, just overall themes or, like, the time in your life. Just go for it.
2: Well, I think the thing that originally really hooked me strongly was probably episode three. Uh, And specifically, if I had to point to, like, a moment, like a scene, it would be, like, the childhood flashback uh, from Shigeo uh, to the playground in which he is uh, showing off his psychic powers to his brother and his childhood friend, Tsubomi. Mm-hmm. And originally they think it's pretty cool. And then Subomi, in particular gets kind of bored with it. And she tells him to get a clue. Mm-hmm. And I think the entire flashback was triggered by someone else saying, get a clue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just the, just the way that like, the show there kind of depicts a young person who's been scarred by something in their childhood like it really resonated with me cuz i think that what you know while we all kind of we all don't have get a clue in particular mm-hmm. as something i think that there are things from when we were kids when we were growing up when we were little that other people might remember as really innocuous if you talk to them about it if they remember it at all Mm -hmm. but like it really sticks with you Mm -hmm. and whether it's good or bad like you could have positive experiences like that or negative ones they can become kind of these tapes that you play to yourself over and over and i certainly have had my share of like negative experiences like that and so i felt really seen in that moment by the show i felt uh really spoken to and I thought like wow like the show I think this just really kind of understands something about youth I think yes. a lot of the show or particularly the first season feels like this this like meditation or even like an elegy for just youth like the concept of it and the experience of, of being young Um and so prior to that point in the show you know it had really been like the awesome animation and kind of the mob Reagan hijinks. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, like, bam, like the show just socked me in the face. And I was not ready for it. (laughs) And the more I kept watching, like the more I got drawn into all the, all the characters. I mean, I just love, 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 love Reagan, Arataka, like, I I think he's this really fascinating anti-hero. Like, he was a big reason I watched. I mean, I think we all adore, you know, sweet, innocent mob. Definitely. And, like, love his journey of self-actualization and self-discovery and self-reliance. And, I mean, in the it's you know, the show, I feel like it just doesn't put a foot wrong, almost. Like, every character, seemingly, that it introduces the amount of development they get is always if it's not like per I mean apart from Subomi I think like yeah. the the rest of the cast is really like they they get these really great moments and you know like I wasn't really expecting Ritsu's arc. Yeah. I mean that threw me a yeah. loop. I wasn't expecting that. I thought like Teru's arc could have been very boilerplate but there just there was so much heart to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the show just kept on impressing me. Yes. As it went along, uh, it it kept topping itself in terms of of the writing for me. And that's why I stuck with it. I mean, I just, by the end of the first season, like the cast just meant so much to me. Yep. I felt like I'd been through so much with them. And I cared about, I cared about them so much. uh, So much. And I I was so glad we got a second season. Like it seemed like it, it took a number of years for that to happen. I wasn't sure for a time that we would. But yeah, I mean, the characters and and their emotional journeys. Um, And then as I rewatched the show, um, I just kept getting more and more out of it. Like, and not just the character moments, but like I I started to piece together what I thought one was like trying to, in my opinion, trying to say and and his kind of politics, his uh, his view of the world, his, you know, metaphysical presuppositions, what he thought was important and all that fascinated me even more.
3: Yeah, I feel like that too. We were saying that even today on Rewatch. We were saying we could rewatch this like a second, a third time and still be pulling new stuff yeah, out of it. Just and constantly just not being able to keep track of everything that is like, oh man, that's so good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we just kept pausing it, like, wait, I need to write notes on this and then like the very next line, <laughs> uh, like pause many again, notes. pause it again. <laughs> yeah,
3: it just has a lot of little mind blow mind blown things. Yeah. All the time.
1: I think episode three was about where it hooked me too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was, but definitely by the time we got to the Body Improvement Club, which I think was episode three, I was like, Oh, man. Oh, this is like, this is for me. (laughs) This is for me. (laughs) Like, through the whole show, especially like, the way the whole show handled like negative emotions and like how it portrayed them and how it, it handled them kind of gently. And like, it felt like it understood it in a way
3: it wasn't cynical
1: for sure it wasn't cynical it like and like it was always kind of digging through the negative emotions of a character to find the source Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know it resonated with me a lot in that way in that like all of the characters kind of had some specific thing that they were dealing with like with Ritsu dealing with like bitterness and jealousy yeah and yeah
3: I think the writing has a lot of compassion for its characters Mm-hmm. in that way like mm-hmm. it goes it takes the time to be like this is why that person is that way but in a very like well integrated way so that you don't feel like you're pausing to tell somebody's story one at a time yeah you jump on their emotions so quickly and you just it just flows uh mark did you have uh, favorites
0: like i said earlier i you know i i should preface this by saying that um i i was hooked in a completely different way uh i think um initially at least I have a very empirical very like left brain sense about anime which is weird because I'm a very like right brain kind of person normally um but there's just something about the way that I usually approach anime where I really like to see the gears turning um I really can appreciate uh when it's very clear that there's a vision behind an anime and Mm -hmm. it's not just like oh we have this shitty light novel that we're just gonna like adapt (laughs) and straight on and There's, like, zero character to the production itself. Mm -hmm. Um, That never happens. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, You know, like I was saying earlier, the first 30 seconds of episode one, I just was fully in because, you know, there's a lot of things that Mob Psycho does, both from a writing perspective and from a production perspective that you just don't see in anime nowadays. Uh, One of them is just a completely contextless, cold open that serves... No other purpose than to just establish atmosphere mm-hmm. um, and establish like a um, concerted artistic uh, feel. And that is what Mob Psycho does from literally the first moment. There's zero dialogue. Um, there's zero anything but just what's happening on screen and Kenji Kawai's music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was hooked from that moment just I like I was just like I really genuinely don't care what the show is about at this moment because I know (laughs) that it's going to be awesome because this is just like already completely bucking my expectations it's bucking the the trends of what's happening in this industry and that you know I I get an emotional response just from that because Mm. you know I watch a shitload of anime (laughs) and uh, like most of the anime that I've watched are ones that have come out in the past five or six years uh, and I've seen a lot of uh, anime that I would consider good um, but almost none that I would consider on the level of Mob psycho in, the, in, in terms of just being a complete standout. And I feel like as I went through the first season I began to gain an appreciation of um, the story a lot more but and the characters a lot more and obviously I, you know I like the characters. Uh, a lot. I really liked Onigawara's whole story arc. <laughs> um, I feel like, honestly, weirdly enough, the show is at its best um, writing-wise when it's telling arcs that don't really have a lot to do with Mob. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, I think the best arc in the first season is Ritsu's mm-hmm. arc, that and I arc. think the best arc in the second season is Regan's. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: Those kind of mirror each other emotionally a little bit.
0: Yeah. They do. They, 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 do, they do mirror each other a lot because it's a, a down-up Arc, uh, mm-hmm. with a you know very, uh you know two sides of the valley and then a and then a a a very clear bottom. Both of those characters come out better people, I feel like. Um, but you know, I I feel like, um, like I said, I I at least my personal experience with it, I, I was a lot more focused on the production end of things the first time around in the first season, mostly because it was just so mind blowing to me and so surprising. Um, but i feel like watching the first episode of the second season really just completely restructured how i approached mob psycho um, and really made me focus on the characters more made me focus on the story more and, and i think most importantly made me focused about on what the show was saying a lot more and i think it's just cuz it was so understated but yeah i guess it's like you know if you want to if you want to split it between like When was I just on board, on board? It was like literally from moment one of the Mm -hmm. first episode. Um, But when was I like truly connected to what the show was trying to say? I maybe am embarrassed to admit that it took me until the first episode of the second season. But um, it's a good episode. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a, and it was a complete, you know, in, in very Mob Psycho style Uh, To go back to like just sort of like bucking trends, it bucked its own trend in the sense that it was a very like muted, very introspective episode with not a whole lot of action, uh, but a whole lot of laying out what exactly that show's mission statement is Mm -hmm. and uh, who Mob is as a character and as a person. And I really appreciated that in a way that I don't think that I ever really did in the first season, Mm -hmm. mostly
3: because I was just like, ooh, colors. (laughs) I think one reason why it's so awesome that the visuals are, like, so incredible is, like, it really does matter when it makes everything come together. Together, I think that Mob Psycho does such a good job of show-not-tell.
1: Yeah. Just, yeah.
3: like, in totally. a myriad of ways, but also because, because the visuals know how to handle emotion so well on every level with, like, energy mm-hmm. and intent and, like, tone. It's just, those yeah. just communicate all of the like writing emotions straight to your heart yep. before any character has to say them.
1: Yeah, I think that's the really standout thing about it is that every part of the show is extremely intentional and everything is like driving a specific point. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wasted and everything is like
3: synthesized.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's the interesting thing to me is something that I
0: I came across was I don't actually think that the show does a whole lot of visual storytelling in a directorial sense. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like a Monogatari. It's not a, I guess, like Rakugo or something Mm -hmm. that that tells a lot of the story using the direction. It really leans on the animators and on uh, the character designer and a a lot of elements that you wouldn't necessarily usually rely on to tell, to, to convey emotion. It really, yeah, you're you're right. It's 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 more um, it's more raw than telling a story directorially, Mm -hmm. um, because the direction is usually pretty um, unobtrusive. Yeah, it's very it's very just kind of it shows you what's going on. But what's going on is this insane animation or, or paint on glass effects that convey their own emotions just by the 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 nature of how they're made. Like it's it goes deeper. Than just the show being directed to convey emotion. It's like literally the act of the show being made is an emotional Mm -hmm. process.
2: One thing I think that one is really good at is like taking these sort of people that we all would think are exceptional because of their power and strength and gifts and like putting them in really like mundane situations Mm -hmm. and making those mundane situations super interesting like the show about espers a lot of the parts that I love the most are not necessarily the big sort of psychic battles which are incredible Mm -hmm. but I think equally incredible and impactful to me are like uh, episode, I think it's episode eight in the second season, the, the marathon episode. Like, I'm so yeah. glad we yeah. got that. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do with like the, the big battle or really any of the, you know, villains that season, but it's just this really like neat emotional story of a kid like running a marathon and wanting to better himself and being in love. And other people encouraging him and coming together. You know, Onigarwara giving him his shoes. <laughs> like, all that stuff is just so good. You know, seeing what Reagan's doing at his office and how Mob interacts with him. Dimple floating around and being an asshole. Like, <laughs> I love all that stuff so much. And, yeah, I just think one is, is so good at, at, like, again, putting these, like, exceptional people in situations that we all can relate to and get really interested in.
3: I agree.
0: I think on on that note, just to add very quickly, um, something that I think really, um, even in the first season, really caught me was, uh, and this is another thing that one is really good at, is um, tonal shifts, um, especially um, tonal shifts that in any other context might be considered jarring. Um, there's definitely a lot of moments basically it's basically any time mob hits 100% you know even rewatching it just sends shivers down my spine because mm-hmm. it's yep. in very many cases can go like uh, subs you were saying about the, the marathon episode uh, and ah oh, sh- crap I don't want to say this because this is definitely a spoiler
3: you want me to
2: say Should we drop it? the spoiler warning now? Drop the spoiler yeah. warning
0: right now
3: okay from here okay. on there will be spoilers yeah so if you stop haven't seen
1: listening it, Unless you've seen yeah.
3: it, go watch the show. <laughs> yeah, go watch the show. Okay, we
1: should continue. have already
3: watched the show anyway. But do it um,
0: it's on Crunchyroll. The DM. end of the marathon episode is the very beginning of the next arc, which is where Mob essentially sees his family Ooh. burned to death. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and the 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 tonal shift in that episode—the five minutes where it goes from him happily strolling on down. To him opening the door and yeah. seeing what he thinks are the charred corpses of his family, and that noise that he makes, and yeah. instantly goes from zero to question mark question mark question mark, yeah. is uh, probably my, one of my favorite moments in. The I have chills series, right now. I, not my yeah. favorite because it is it, uh, it well, especially watching it live as we all did. It was it shocked the shit me too out of me. Yes, I, I was just like, "Are you ki-? And I kn- like you know, part of me knew that, that this is just, that's not, this is not that kind of show. Like,
4: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, there's, there's so many explanations. There's so many people in this world that have powers that can fake this. Like, you know, I, I I explained it away very quickly, but in the moment I was like with mob, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I, and the, the thing that got me in that scene and, and something that I just think that, really really illustrates the power of the writing coupled with the like sound design and the yeah. Seiyu performances and the animation was not necessarily like mob's reaction but the moment when he started opening the door and dimple started screaming don't look like look away mm-hmm. like, yeah. that I was like oh shit this is not going to be good oh, it's not going to be good at all and like the next episode diffused that tension in really you know funny and interesting ways that are very you know that like very mob like Mm -hmm. very much that show. But just that moment was so out of left field. And there are so many moments in the show like that, not necessarily that shocking, but moments where you go from, you know, Haha, ha, we're having a good time to okay, we're deadly serious Yeah, now. Yeah. Um, or or vice versa. Yeah. Like exactly when exactly. things are
2: really mm-hmm. serious and then self-defense rush like, Yeah, Reagan jumps <laughs> yeah. in, salt yeah, splashing I was gonna people. Say, basically, yeah. So good. When,
0: when things are deadly serious to when Reagan shows up. basically yeah. it is, never is, By the way, that
2: emotions. episode That episode you're talking about, Mark, it's like yeah. when it ended, um my wife ran to the computer and just, like checking wikipedia and she's basically like if his parents are dead i'm not watching anymore <gasps> yeah, I
1: felt like that too. <laughs> okay there were there were so many moments like that not like not a ton but there were like the show just did such a good job of like convincing me like maybe it did happen every single time yeah. i bought it like even in the first season when um when they're all at uh at claw headquarters and they take the square boy away and like yeah murder him yeah and man and then drag yeah. him back i was like oh my god I'm like, what kind of show dead. is this like i didn't
2: <laughs> totally and like even every totally.
1: time i'm like okay i have a handle on where the show will and won't go and then yeah i absolutely don't it tricks me every time and i'm like oh my god they killed that boy yeah um i mean it handles such intense sort of bump up against brutality yeah yeah, yeah it, it goes it, so
3: hard it like it does not stop short of like showing the awful things of the world yeah and it covers such heavy subjects that you're like maybe they will go there it's <laughs> yeah. like it does get that dark but it's never but it brings you back yeah. yeah it never abuses the audience for sure. no
1: it just brings you back gives you a hot cup of tea makes sure i can say something yeah
3: i not to not to self-plug but like remember when we were doing our devil man episode and we talked about the, like, emotional mm. self-care that the mm-hmm. direction takes you through where mm-hmm. it's, like, aware of where it's leading its audience and then it brings you back to where mm-hmm. you, like, you are never punished for, like, believing something. Yeah, or it, Like, it always rewards you with, like, the next emotion that you need in time. Yeah.
1: Mob does it a little bit more gently
3: and yeah. more and mercifully. Comedically. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Well, it's Mob takes place in a world where... Uh, you know, if you've seen the entire series, fundamentally everything is going to be okay. Um, yeah. And eventually. and um, Devil Man obviously does not take it place exact world. <laughs> Some would say it takes place in the opposite world of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I, I think that's you know sort of where they come from on sort of guiding the audience through these ups and downs is you know there is that assumption that everything's going to be okay mm-hmm. but there are so many moments in the show where they make you think that they're not yeah yeah uh, and that's where the show is at its best i think um yeah basically anytime that mob gets mad enough to uh uh you know lose control of himself always leads to always leads somewhere interesting uh and spine tingling
3: yeah mm-hmm. i think i think the best way to sum that up is to say that like these stakes always feel extremely real. Yeah. Because, like, they don't rely on tropes to... And, like, yeah. one thing that sometimes gets me, like, bored or distracted or on my phone when I watch Shonen is you're like, okay, I know how this is going to end. Mm-hmm. This is dragging on. <laughs> or, like, there's a big fight. Of course the good guy's going to win. Like, it just kind of... Sometimes it'll just push my, like... Um, what's
4: it called the Uh, suspension sometimes
3: uh, sometimes mine will fall Mm -hmm. in some shonen that is like maybe marketed a little younger than this one um and like i never felt that here where i had to like rewrite stuff in my mind or be like okay i like i'm gonna i'm gonna wait this one out like it all felt like something could go horribly wrong Mm -hmm. at any moment because the stakes were not just like will a thousand people die or not (laughs) like it was like yeah will this character make the wrong choice and like do something that they regret (laughs) like Mm -hmm. emotionally and even on smaller scales like with ritsu and just like not being a good person (laughs) yeah it's like that had enough weight that you were like he could easily do this and hurt no one but himself but it would feel awful to watch
1: (laughs) yeah and i felt like it the show did a good job of testing you a little bit on like your connection to the characters where it's like watch, watch as Ritsu makes bad decisions and like does things that make you maybe not like him. And yeah. like, especially also with Reagan, which I'm sure we'll get into with like, <laughs> this character is being an asshole right now. Do you still like him? Think about like times that you have mm-hmm. been like this. Yeah. Like here's something yes. to reflect on. So key. <laughs> to, being able yep. to
3: show characters at their worst and still like make that feel human and likable. Yeah. Is Definitely a feat and they mm-hmm. do it so well.
0: Yeah. I feel like the show has a really um great way of really making every new villain or uh, adversary seem really ominous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I, I which is funny because um I you know, I got a lot of the same feeling with that show's villains that I do when I uh weirdly enough, about um, Uh, My Hero Academia's villains Mm -hmm. give me a lot of the same feelings, Uh, even though My Hero Academia has like a quarter of the depth of uh, Mob Psycho in a lot of ways. I feel like um, they characterize their villains in very similar ways, which is that there is a very extreme uh, possibility for physical and emotional harm every time a new one shows up Mm -hmm. uh, for at least the main character. Uh, But the funny thing is, is that what My Hero Academia doesn't do is then uh eventually either create a learning moment for all characters on screen with one of those villains or make them look like complete idiots <laughs> yeah like that's the, the one of the two things that that mob does with its villains that a lot of you know most shown i know this is in the notes somewhere where you know what sets it out what sets it aside from other shonen that's exhibit a for me of mm-hmm. just like it really is not afraid to scare the shit out of you with the villains and then make them like a comic comic relief character like two seconds later Mm -hmm. and i love that
3: before we get to that section i'll just mention mine um i think it's interesting that all four of us have very different moments that we were hooked on the show and like for different Mm -hmm. aspects of what makes the show great and moments that like made us love the show Mm -hmm. all of ours are super different for me i think I think it took me a while to get hooked, but I think it was the Body Improvement Club that I was like, okay, I do like the tone of this show. I really enjoy the humor style. And like, I think that I was like, all right, I'm here for the long haul. But then I think what like really hit me and got me in the gut, I think the first time was um, the fight with Teru. Because like, it's an amazing fight, but the like emotion that comes out of it and the take that it starts to have on like, mobs 100% and what it means I was like oh like this knows what it's about mm-hmm. and like it's gonna go there <laughs> and that's when I started to get really excited about it mm-hmm. and then I think the moment that I was like this show is forever for me was um towards the end of season one when you get to the initial flashback of mob first meeting Reagan yeah I... <laughs> uh that one got me so good <laughs>
2: god uh, yeah.
0: Oh. That first fight with Teru is also the first time in the show where you're really um, exposed to the idea that Mob, his power is almost at times sort of a separate entity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, within himself. It's like, it's weird because they very, like, you know, a couple times in that show, they go so far as to characterize it almost like Mob is like has like an actual like some sort of dark entity within within him. And I know mm-hmm. that's just like his like rage, like his contained emotion. Mm-hmm. Um but that's the first scene where that's the first scene where the question mark, question mark, question mark happens. Yeah, yeah I think that instead was it. of the one hundred percent. Uh where it's like very clearly that like it's not really mob anymore. It's like something else. Yeah. Um and I always thought that was I yeah, that's like such a really cool, interesting um, allegory for you know, sort of losing control of your emotions mm-hmm. or also a person that very clearly has not been taught how to, you know, uh, positively deal with their uh, their emotions and yeah. very clearly yeah, sure. kept
1: them bottled up. I think that fight was also it was the first time where the show really tested the limits of its audience, I think. Like it was the first time that I was like, "This is kind of difficult to watch." Yeah, was like, like this, this is, is going on for a long really time, and, and it's dark. like, it's very dark, and it kind of hurts, and like it's, and it's not letting up until yeah. it said what it wants to say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and then like the show snaps its fingers, and Tarot is missing his hair. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, funny yeah. as hell,
1: and you get to just have that moment of like breath.
3: and then his hair sounds like a (laughs) hair yeah
0: it's a pure distillation of what that show is Mm -hmm. in like a split second it's like here is deadly serious to incredibly funny Mm -hmm. but somehow in a way
1: that doesn't break the mood and like isn't corny yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: well and there's something to be said for that is one of the few times where I feel like the show's direction is a star because yeah. it is incredibly hard to direct visual comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in anime, and make it work, and the show is a is a master at it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, on the same level as like a Sakamoto deska of <laughs> just absolutely nailing its sense of humor.
2: And, and I think this is true for a lot of anime that I hold dear. Like it's the comedy and the fun and the tenderness that like makes the drama feel so high stakes mm-hmm. and makes mm-hmm. all yeah. the pain hit close to home cuz the show sucker punches you you know you're laughing and you've dropped your guard for it to land a really impactful emotional blow yeah
3: mm-hmm. i think we're slowly touching on what makes this feel different from like a classic a like more well defined shonen um we can pause and talk a little bit more about that if you guys want. or we Yeah, can just I think keep we've going.
2: arrived there. Yeah, I do. So I, I was kind of holding fire on this point. Um, I could have jumped in earlier when you guys were talking about the tarot fight because I it. think that's actually mm-hmm. a really good illustration for something that, for me, um, makes this show stand out from a lot of shounen action stuff. And that's just the pacing of it. Um, this show manages to feel like a real journey in just the first 12 episodes, let alone the the whole 25. And it has this remarkable like pace that's I'm not really sure how to put my finger on it. It's very quick, but it doesn't feel rushed. It's mm-hmm. It's pretty pitch perfect and the the Terugify fight like it it starts in episode four and it's pretty darn high stakes uh emotionally and physically mm-hmm. and the animation like underscores that so beautifully mm-hmm. like the the choking and the sweating mm-hmm. and the the eyes rolling back and all that stuff like that kind of imagery and that kind of high stakes fight you'd have to wait like i don't know 50 episodes or something in <laughs> yeah. a typical kind of long running shonen manga adaptation and i think like the fact that it it gets to those high stakes things quickly and it moves through things quickly without for me anyway, having them feel rushed. Yeah, I I mean, there's so many like important confrontations in this show that they handle. And I think handle quite well in, in the the seemingly short like runtime of the show. And I think that's a pretty remarkable feat. Yeah, I agree. And that, that like sets it apart in a positive way. I think in a, in a way that I'll talk about later um I think the show is unfortunately like very much like a lot of like typical shonen shows in a a really deep non-surface kind of way that might not bother a lot of people. Um and I don't even know if it bothers me but like I think it's worth talking about later okay. on when we when we get there.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I think one thing to add to that um since you're talking about like the like the scale of the battles and we were talking about the um like the stakes and everything I think I think this show makes a point of saying a lot of the time of like mentioning how often life isn't fair and like how often bad things don't just happen to bad people and like you don't always win just because you're good and just because you have friends and just because you have the most heart um or because you had good motives like um Gosh, I'm forgetting Aokirishida's character. Uh, Mogami? Yeah, Mogami. Like, it's like when he tells his story, he's like, boy, I started out doing the right things and nothing went my way and it's not my fault. And you're like, he's right. Like, yeah. life just wasn't fair to that guy. And oh, there are a lot of moments God. where you're like, what if that happens to Mob? Like, he's, yeah. he's always doing the right thing, but like, life's not fair. And what if he doesn't win this fight? Like, <laughs> I feel like that is a real possibility a lot of the times, even in the last battle too. <laughs> um, I also feel
0: like, mob deals um i'm sure this is going to come up in a, a slightly different way uh later but i feel like it'd be remiss if we're talking about like the differences between it and other shonen i really feel like mob traffics in the consequences of power yes uh, yeah. in ways that shonen doesn't really ever touch or does on this uh, only on the surface i think about mobs arc in the first season, especially compared to, I, I think the sec- the second season is less of a good argument towards this point than the first season. Um, but the first season is, you know, you know, in, in most shonen, it's it's really about the you know main character achieving uh, mostly you know physical and and somewhat a mental uh, maturity in the sense that like oh I can control and expand my power mm-hmm. to defeat the bad guys or achieve my goal or whatever yeah um with mob uh you know he from the basically from the very beginning has power that is unrivaled and the only thing that's keeping him from doing it is a couple of different things but his arc throughout the season is a more emotional than it ever is physical uh, and B, at the end of the season, in any other shounen, it would have been him defeating the bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his ability um, that he's developed. And instead, <laughs> it's him, like, it's basically his mentor saying. Man. I'm an adult. Let me handle this so that your innocence is preserved. Yes. Oh my god. And so that you don't you, like,
2: I, I'm going to put this on me. That that thing gets me every time. And sorry to start laughing. Like I was just picturing Reagan like flexing um, <laughs> the the seventh division. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I like, and I've seen it a bunch of times. It never fails to crack me up.
0: But yeah, essentially, that's my point in this sense that like, yeah, any other shonen it would have just been a big climactic battle between the main character and the bad guy. Uh, And instead it was uh, the main character, you know, being told by his mentor, I'm going to preserve your innocence. Let me handle this. Mm -hmm. And him being a, you know, a fucking idiot (laughs) as it (laughs) it is anyway. But basically everybody's just like defeated by uh, some tough love and a pep
1: talk yeah, and, an accident yeah basically is how <laughs> the season ends <laughs> that um, yeah that was one of the things that I have written down in my notes is of, of uh, things that make this stand out for mother shonen is uh, adult supervision <laughs> like even if the adult yeah. is reagan he is still there every once in a while to pop in and be like hey do you uh, hey audience do you remember that these are children yeah <laughs> like yeah, exactly. These are children and it's not their responsibility to fight bad guys because they're kids. Oh
3: my gosh, yeah. I feel like this show is so aware of the age of its child characters because totally. Mob looks like a floppy yeah. little middle schooler. Yeah. It's not like it these does. are all like uh, buff teenagers. <laughs> Except like, for the Body Improvement Dude. Club. Yeah, those, the, <laughs> the Body Improvement Club are the only characters who look like they came straight out of like Dragon Ball or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I think... Can you
2: like, imagine... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh,
1: um, I think it does... Like that adult supervision point does falter a little bit in the second season. Like it's just not as much yeah. of a thing. You can only
3: maintain True. it so much yeah. in a story like this. But yeah, he, because
1: like it is a shonen, and the kids do have powers.
3: Even in the last battle, Reagan is like, "Hey, mob, you're a child. Like, if you cannot defeat this super villain, like it's not your fault." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "It's well, not your and I job." Actually,
0: I, actually I, 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 you know, the more I think about it, the more that I am impressed that the show does at times sort of um make what i think are very human allowances in its morality in regards to mob's power mm-hmm. because yeah in the second season it does eventually get to the point where everybody realizes like if we like this is not what we want and we don't want mob to have to put himself on the line for the rest of us but it's literally this or like no more world yeah, yeah basically mm-hmm. <laughs> And, like, I, I feel like, you know, it, it's a very interesting examination of, of, like, how, how people's morality shifts when they're faced with absolute destruction. Yeah. And, like, uh, and maybe I'm just being, like, you know, uh, very charitable uh, <laughs> to, you know, the show basically making excuses for, you know, a cool final battle <laughs> that feels final. Uh, but,. Yeah, I I think it's both. Yeah, you know, the second season does have a lot of examinations of the morality that they already set up in the first season, Mm -hmm. uh, and how you know, like you can make allowances for yourself because you know you could say that you don't, you're never going to kill somebody, but or you're never going to hurt somebody until you know somebody, let's say, breaks into your house and threatens your family, you know, and then you don't know what you're going to do. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that that's you know. Again, another thing very unique to this show. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it deals a lot in like, like it talks a lot about morality with Mob's rules about his powers and things, but it's also like deals a lot with practical morality. Like it is fine to have your morals, but like sometimes you have to deal with the real world and like sometimes you have to defend yourself and sometimes that means hurting people. Mm-hmm. Ethical pragmatism, Ooh. one might say. <laughs>
3: that's subs, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, just was going to echo like, I think Kay's point is, is spot on. Um, that and Danny too, that like the show like seems to understand not well not forget, I guess, that it's, you know, cast as a bunch of like young teenagers and like the concerns of young teenagers are like they seem so big when you're a teenager and eventually in mob they get really big, but like before things get out of hand, like they're kind of small and narrow and sometimes kind of dumb, but that's great. Like, we can all relate to that because we've all,
4: mm-hmm, we've all yeah. been there.
2: And, I mean, the show, it just depicts middle schoolers as middle schoolers, and I love it for that. I mean, can you just, can you imagine, like, an American, like, live-action adaptation where, like, Mob is played by, I don't know, Zach Efron or something? <laughs> like, super old guy, Christmas. like, yeah, I'm 14. <laughs> Sup, sub Well, man? they
0: did, they did a... Japanese oh, yeah. live no, they action did. adaptation of, of Mob, did. and the guy that they casted for Mob looks like he's you know seventeen. Mm. Uh, it, it's yeah, and I can't imagine that was good. Uh, to me, like ninety nine percent of the charm of watching Mob is the fact that it's animated and can look and feel so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I feel like. I mean, agreed. You know, the making it live action and putting. <laughs> Clearly, very bad CG, and in place of <laughs> yeah, all these like very traditional 2D animated effects, like really, it loses a lot of it. But
1: I absolutely do not want to see or think about a like live action CG dimple. It sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh
3: my god, so it's very very <laughs> bad. I also don't want Reagan to be a real human being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is not a single oh yeah, and the the Reagan in that show looks like he's about. 55 years. <laughs> Yikes, too. <old. laughs> he, he does. He's a very weird looking It's dude. weird. Yeah. Not Yikes. the internet sex symbol everybody knows. <laughs> Anyways.
3: <laughs> All right. I feel like we've said bits about why it feels. Yeah. Just like, not like, wow, this is so much better than Shonen. <laughs> shonen yeah. Dumb. More like, this is something that is not easily defined mm-hmm. or categorized, and that's one. Yeah, and reason I don't want to like. Special. I'm
0: not shitting on shonen. No, like, not at all. I yeah. sure as hell shonen sucks. Loves, no, I'm just kidding. I like. Okay, I, one of us I, is shitting on shonen. No, no, no. I, could. I sure as <laughs> hell.
2: <laughs>
0: I sure as hell like some shonen stuff, uh, but and, and like you know, not everything has to be deep. but... Or even different, right? Uh, I mean, sometimes or, yeah, yeah formulaic stuff like, can be can, really good. Exactly, and uh, but but yeah, this this show really does some interesting stuff with an existing formula. I think uh, because there are definitely shonen elements to it, but it's less about getting jacked and <laughs> punching, and more about doing that, but in your, but with your emotions.
3: Yeah. Oh, very last thing I'll say about that. I think an idea that founds a lot of shonen is that the main character has a very clear goal in the beginning Mm -hmm. and is like i'm gonna you know be the very best that no one ever was or is like Mm. i'm gonna get to the top of this place and like and like mop doesn't have that he does he has no goal other than to just like survive middle school yeah (laughs) and like be mildly happy he doesn't have one clear-cut goal he's not trying to do anything with his powers He's just trying to make it. And then all of these yep. people keep trying to interrupt his life. And he's like, oh, stop.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like his entire premise as a character is that he is literally a nobody with no ambition. Yep. And yeah. him evolving past that is, you know, important. is important. And it's also like done in a way that no shonen really would ever do. Like his nickname is literally mob.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, in that sense, like, a huge theme of Mob Psycho is just kind of, like, um, like honoring and appreciating a innocence, like, mobs type of innocence. It doesn't simplify things like innocence or, like, averageness. It's mm. just, like, those mm. things are fine and, like, good even.
2: <laughs> All right. Where are we on the outline? Moving <laughs> on.
3: Oh, was there anything you wanted to comment on the production regarding, like, the ED mark? With the like paint on glasses.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like weirdly enough, it actually factors into um, sort of the like mundanity aspect of mm-hmm. the show. Um, because yeah, the first ending is literally just uh, Reagan's morning routine. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I don't really see any other place to talk about. Uh, uh, Miyu Sato, mm-hmm. uh, other than right now. So Let's go do for it. it. I, uh, I'll just
3: get that's something yeah, that really I'll fascinates just get that me out, out of the way. Production.
0: So, the entire uh, first ending of the show, I believe also maybe the second ending of the show, although uh, the, the second, second end ending of the show is a, to me a lot less memorable than the first mm-hmm. ending, mm-hmm. Uh, musically and otherwise. Um, so, yeah, the first ending is 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 completely animated with a technique that's known as paint on glass, sometimes it's called oil on glass. Um, but, uh, it's animated, solo animated by a, um, woman named, uh, Miyu Sato, who, uh, got involved in the show because she was a recent graduate of, uh, a school in in Japan called, uh, it's colloquially called Geidai, but it's, uh, Tokyo University of the Arts is its official name. Oil on glass, or, uh, sorry, paint on glass, uh, is, like, rarely, if ever, used in animation nowadays this is actually the uh, to my knowledge the first time it's ever been used in a tv anime um and only ever been used in in anime once or twice before is there like uh, a western <laughs> example
3: that we would know because i can't think of any uh
0: yeah uh, i'll i'll get to it okay, so okay. um the process is such that it it works by um uh manipulating uh like a mixture of watercolors and uh, i think glycerin uh hmm. on a uh, backlit glass panel uh, and then photographing the assembly from above, kind of like stop motion animation, so cool. Uh, to create frames, which are then connected using software called Dragon Frame. At least that's the process that Miyu Sato used for the show. Um, sometimes uh, it's uh, just animating pr- from uh, keyframes that, like animators uh, at Bones would provide her, uh, and then creating her own in betweens. basically, keyframes are just like kind of the the uh the poses that a character is doing in a in a uh you know a a given motion Mm -hmm. uh and then in between frames are just the frames in between those key frames which is you know when somebody says key animator that's what they're referring to Mm -hmm. as somebody who's like they're important and then and then somebody that does in between animation is like they do everything else (laughs) um uh sometimes she'd be solo animating so basically she'd just be animating an, an entire cut herself she also uh, in the second season uh, did uh, sand on glass, which is a similar technique, but obviously instead of paint, it's using sand. So freaking uh, rad. I think it was in yeah. the first episode that, that she used sand on glass. Um, so this is the, the, you were asking for a Western example. Yeah. Um, this is a art form that is uh, sort of pioneered, but really more popularized by a Russian animator named Alexander Petrov. Um, he's known for an academy award-winning 1999 short film called uh, that's an adaptation of the old man in the sea hmm. wow. um, some some of you may have seen it I, I I doubt many people have seen it it's it's pretty esoteric um, but he also contributed to a uh, 2003 anime film called Winter days which I have never seen huh. but uh, I am now probably going to watch because of his contributions to yeah. it uh, but he is in terms of oil uh, paint on glass he is. Uh, like sort of the go-to example mm. he's he's sort of the the father of it um he he actually also had a, a 2006 short film called my love that was especially uh, released in japan by studio ghibli as part of a sort of series of western films they released in japan kind of like what disney does here with ghibli films wild um and uh funnily enough uh, petrov is actually known for uh his st- Uh, His style is kind of called romantic realism uh, in which things are portrayed realistically while also attempting to portray thoughts, people's thoughts or dreams, uh, which is kind of like how it's done in uh, Mob Psycho. Uh, You know, it's either uh, like, you know, in the, in the ED, it's straight up just, you know, rotoscoped, which is essentially is uh, animating over like, live action footage mm-hmm. uh if anybody if any of you have ever seen the movie a scanner darkly right. which is that philip k dick movie uh that's all rotoscoping or the, uh, uh,
2: that's kind of like the flowers of evil anime tv show that whole yeah, thing was rotoscoped. Exactly. that's a fantastic uh, show
0: or a shitload of mind game oh yeah is also rotoscoped. Oh, that's right. uh yeah M- masaki Uasa loves rotoscoping mm-hmm. he has rotoscoping he in almost every one of his projects <laughs> Uh, but, uh, that's the, the ED is almost entirely rotoscoped. I mean, you can like tell when there are ridiculously complex and smooth shots of somebody like rounding a corner or like yeah. putting on a jacket. Like they're all, you know, that's all rotoscoping. You know what one always um, sticks
3: out to me? It's the one with Reagan smoking. Like when he yeah, blows exactly. the smoke out, I'm like, that looks so real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that is something that I actually touched on in in, in this interview that Crunchyroll translated is, um, uh, Reagan uh, uses uh, the water from his glass like some of the leftover water from his glass that he used to swish out uh, for uh, his uh, toothbrushing uh, to water his plant mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which I always thought was like a really interesting like character yeah. sort of thing uh, but yeah uh, that's sort of my like mini section on Miyusato because uh, she actually works for a, like a very small uh, net animation company now and I don't really know what she is doing. Uh, she, I know she's making her own like sort of short films, but I hope um, she gets to do
3: whatever she loves doing.
0: Yeah, me too. And I would really mm-hmm. like to see her pop up in some more stuff because, um, it is just about the most interesting, uh, bit of animation I've seen in, uh, certainly in a TV anime ever, because yeah. it's the only time to my knowledge it's ever been used in a, uh, in this type of anime. Mm-hmm. So question about Petrov. So
2: cool. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, the, my love, uh, was that a, 2006 Ghibli release.
0: Uh so it is not a Ghibli film right. he made it. They basically released like per- it in the same okay. way that Disney releases Ghibli films over here. They they like supported a sm- a short theater run because uh <clears throat> they're just like trying to basically doing what Ghibli does. They're trying to showcase, you know, animation in new and interesting ways. And part of that was them basically funding a series of like Western animation films being released in Japan that otherwise would not have been released Mm -hmm. uh, without them doing it. So that's, that's one of them. I also suspect Uh, I've
2: never, that it might've been an apology for Earthsea. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: certainly possible. (laughs) I kid. Ghibli has been an apology on an apology tour for that ever since I'm sure. (laughs)
3: So, moving into the next part of our discussion, is there maybe one sort of central message or idea that you would say Mob Psycho is trying to tell us? Like, I have (laughs) two.
0: I think there's, yeah, I was about to say, I was like, there probably is like three or four. I would agree. Yeah, I can't narrow it down to one. I did try.
3: I did too.
0: Yeah. Well, does anyone Um, have I'm going to get mine out pretty quickly because I know, subs, you probably have a lot to say. (laughs) Danny K, you probably have a lot to say too. And I, uh, I just want to touch briefly on um, obviously one of the the big things that this show tries to grapple with is the notion that um, uh, like sort of redemption uh, and uh, who deserves it. Hmm. Uh, and this show really uh, is very um, forward in its presentation that basically uh, anyone and everyone uh, is capable of if not deserving of uh, redemption in mm-hmm. some way a lot of how mob chooses to fight his battles, especially towards the the latter half of the show is really focused on either a sort of how can he allow the person that he's up against to essentially redeem themselves in their own eyes a lot of the and a lot of the time mm-hmm. and that's where I think the show most for me bumps up with uh, bumps up against I should say my own personal uh, beliefs and morality I love this show a lot I love how joyously naive it can be about uh, what people are capable of uh, especially what people are capable of recognizing about themselves I think it is incredibly Um, aspirational Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that it gets to a point in certain parts where uh, if it wasn't so good at presenting its overall story uh, visually and, and otherwise I would find it really hard to believe in certain aspects. I think Mob Psycho is a really interesting show because it is a show that has this sort of Um, very sunny outlook on people's redemption in a world that constantly feels like it's going to shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a real world that constantly feels like it's going to shit. Like our world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. constantly feels like it's going to shit at the behest of some, you know, truly despicable people. Um, Jack. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that mobs, you know, the show's morality in that sense is, at times very at odds with what I believe and how I feel about the world. I mean, maybe I'm cynical, maybe I'm in some ways nihilistic, uh, but I genuinely do think that there are some people in our world that are just beyond redemption. Maybe, you know, whether that be in their own eyes or my eyes or the society's eyes or, you know, social media's eyes or whatever... I don't think there are, you know, I think there are plenty of people in in our world that don't deserve any semblance of redemption, uh, or rehabilitate, public rehabilitation, or whatever. And I, and this is a, a phrase repeated in the show multiple times, being the protagonist of my own life, mm-hmm. uh, don't necessarily feel like I, being the protagonist of my own life, uh, should, you know, necessitate that redemption mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for some people. Um, I'm sure to some people listening to that, that that, that probably comes off as a bit callous. Um, but I, like I said, I feel like if mob wasn't so good at getting its morality across, its morality would at times seem pretty laughable, uh, especially when you try to apply it to our world, because uh, I think it just really presents a very rosy view of what people are capable of. Uh, like I said, especially like essentially people realizing that they're wrong almost always happens in some way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in mob. Like even literally the most evil man on earth by the end of the show has (laughs) realized that he's wrong in some way. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in a very like him kind of way, even if it's a very like selfish and personal kind of way, he still realizes that he's made a mistake and has hurt people because of it. Whereas I think if you were to try to get some people in this world to do that, uh, you would literally be banging your head against a brick wall mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. forever, essentially. So um, I, you know, and that this is not me being down on the show's morality in any way. I, I'm impressed that they can get this across without me ever feeling like this until I re- like reflect on it later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it does, you know, at times, uh, feel pretty at odds with reality, but that's not, that's not necessarily a problem. It's just something like interesting, I think mm-hmm. about this show.
3: No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think like any of us could come up with a lot of reasons for why the show chooses to go that way or why the story chooses to go that way. And like, probably the first one being like, this is the optimism of a child and, like, that's how he sees yeah. the world. But, mm-hmm. like, it is kind of trying to apply that, that like, perspective to a broader morality and, like, a broader philosophy. And I think you're right. Like, it is kind of uncomplex in some ways and not allowing mm-hmm. for, like, for a lot of forms of evil. <laughs> and by the end,
2: yeah. um, well, and it's I... also the perspective of, like, a young man. Because Mob has, like, come of age. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. man, mm-hmm. like, I... Oh, I have a lot to say about this, uh, Mark. Like, but I, boy, I just I would feel bad talking about the ending now. <laughs> like, a lot of what I have to say on this topic well, has to do with the, the end. spoiler. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and I the yeah the only other thing I do I do want to say as you know sort of a um uh to 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 temper the severity of what I just said a little bit I think um is that there does come a moment towards the end of the show where Mob I think becomes at peace with the fact that someone is beyond redemption or at least he mm-hmm. thinks that there's literally a moment where he's like, all right, I lose and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But you're going like, if I'm going to take you down, I'll right. go down. I don't with have the you, strength to show you a
2: better be... path. I think is the exact quote. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not strong enough to redeem you in some way. So basically for, you know, the, like the the best i can do is for the greater good i'll take you down and go down with you because i wasn't strong enough mm-hmm. as opposed to saving both of us and i think that's a very like that's that's a great moment of maturity for a show that in some ways doesn't show a whole lot of that and i think that's not again it's not a knock on the show it is you know through the eyes of a child through most of it and like you said it's you know by the end it's through the eyes of a young man and i feel like that is a realization that you come to eventually is some people are beyond you know essentially beyond your power to mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. and making peace with that is a very um healthy you know way to to sort of you know come to terms with the way the world is and the unfairness of it yeah um,
2: well like so but i'm on your side on this but just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here do you think that a lot of those people that you would believe are beyond saving? Like like we all know those sorts of, of folks, but are those sorts of like were those sorts of folks exposed to that kind of moment? What would they do? Like I mean essentially like those kind of folks if someone tells them, Okay, you're going to die now. And I'll die with you so that you don't have to be alone during your death, because I think that would be the saddest thing I can think of. Like, that's really powerful shit. And I think to the show's credit, like it presents it powerfully enough where I think even people like us that that are kind of jaded about people and their capacity for for change and what empathy can do for them might give them people like us a little bit of pause, I guess. Um, because the presentation of that is so incredibly powerful. Like, the empathy is so radical from from Mob in that scene. I agree with
0: you in that I think probably there are a lot of people that I would consider to be not great people that put in that situation would would possibly make a redemptive decision. I think the difference between the show's morality and my own is the show presents the idea that everybody is deserving of that type of moment. Hmm. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, Hmm. I I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, me being black and white. Maybe it's me, uh, in in my, in the sense of my morality, like, you know, maybe it's me being punitive or desiring a, a, a sense of justice where, you know, in essentially all other aspects, there is none. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with the state of the way things are, uh, at least in the U.S. nowadays, yeah, I, I, I you know, call me jaded. I, I just don't think that like certain people are just so far mm-hmm. gone um, that I fail to see why they would even deserve a moment like that. And I, you know, the 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 story of Mob Psycho was also written in a very different world than the one that we live in today, yeah. which is mm-hmm. crazy sure. to think because it was only written like. You know five or six years ago essentially yeah. you know it's still an ongoing process but um, and it's you know written in a completely different country the 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 societal problems yep. in japan are yep. are are myriad and and similar in some ways but different in some very meaningful ways than than the ones that we deal with here so i think You know, viewing this show from a America in 2019 lens is probably a very different lens than one was writing it from Mm. uh, when he was writing it. So I think that, you know, definitely is a consideration, but just like on a surface level. Yeah, I, I, I I don't necessarily think that the show ever presents me with a character that I personally, at least in the context of the show, doesn't don't think that they're deserving of redemption in some way. But I can definitely see how, like, taking that and applying it to, like, the real world would be, I I would definitely feel differently about it. Mm. Um, But also that's because things happening in the show don't affect me and my friends and my family and their livelihoods and their rights Mm -hmm. uh, in real life and things happening in the real world, do. So, obviously, like, real world morality is a little bit more complex. It always is going to be. Anyways, yeah.
2: I agree with that I couldn't pick just one uh, message here. Um, But I think that there are two that kind of start out seeming uh, unrelated, but then they they collide with each other eventually. And I think the first one, the show asks pretty quickly, um, asks the viewer, like, what is power for? Um, Mm -hmm. Why... Why do people have it? Why does not everyone have it? Like, what should the people that have it be doing? What should they they be like? How should they treat other people? What should power be used for? And almost all the characters, you know, apart from Mob, uh, have these very kind of specific answers, these very particular worldviews that are bound up with what they think about power. And the other uh, big theme that I think is running through the show is that it's of primary importance to recognize the humanity in every single person. Um, Mm -hmm. And we could talk about, you know, we have talked about just now, like how sort of valid or true that we, we think it is. But I think the show is Mm -hmm. saying, I mean, I think at one point mob tells Suzuki You can't put a value on... He says you can't put a value on a person's mindset, but I think it's pretty easy to kind of see he's saying there, like, you can't put a value on, like, a person's... Like, just a person, right? What makes a person a person, like a human being. There's a unique humanity that deserves dignity and deserves to be met with our own full humanity in every person, and that idea has pretty profound consequences for the political and metaphysical realms and I think again the those kind of seem separate but like by season two they slam into each other and answering mm. one question is just answering uh, or, or just addressing the other issue um, and I think that the, those are the main, uh, threads that I saw through the show.
0: Can I add something to the 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 power-related thing? Because I think that's something that I really thought about a lot. Yeah, um, go for it. I thought it was interesting that, uh, especially in the first season, and I think, again, they start to challenge this a little bit in the second season, but in the first season, Mob is just beset by people that have a power psychic power and it has corrupted them in some way Mm -hmm. every single person that mob comes into contact with in the first season that has a psychic power is at first corrupted by that power um at least when he meets them uh and mob himself is constantly grappling with his own power and it's corruption of him Uh, there's uh, a moment in the last episode where his power essentially you know the capabilities of his power to save his friends overwhelms him and it literally says on screen murderous intent Mm -hmm. and he says i don't care what happens to them as long as i can save uh my friends and my brother Mm -hmm. um and you know in the morality of the show that's mob's power corrupting him because he's Mm -hmm. going to kill he's willing to kill other people you know willing to kill some people to save others and you know that factors subs into what you were saying about the value of a human life you know who are you even though you have basically essentially if you know you have this what could many could call a godlike power but you're not god you can't decide the value of one human life over the other uh and that's definitely something that the show Posits, and it also factors into subs this is something you said to me before but i don't think you've said here every almost every adult in the first season of mom psycho 100 is a real piece of shit (laughs) Um, and the biggest pieces of shit out of all of them are the ones with psychic powers yeah um Mm. and uh yeah so it's basically one boy grappling with his own power and being overwhelmed By it by multiple times because he's human being you know basically beset on all sides by examples of what not to become man it
2: (laughs) this relates to like uh, something we were saying earlier but like you should remember that feeling of being like a like a 14 year old and thinking god everyone sure has their shit together (laughs) like and I'm my world and my life are just so fucked up I don't know anything and like that feeling really comes across because like mob just just hasn't decided anything for himself early on. He doesn't know, but like all these people, you know that he meets Teruki and uh, and Claw folks. Like they have these r- real, like definite ideas, and he does not. And just thinking from his perspective, how all that looks like, I could so relate to that.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: even his own brother is messed up by. Like, his brother yeah. is, like, the, the the pinnacle of having his shit together until he gets psychic powers, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he's, like, again, just completely corrupted by them until Mob
1: sets him straight. Yeah, I would say Ritsu isn't even corrupted by his psychic powers, necessarily. He mm-hmm. is just corrupted by, like, the buildup of his yeah. own emotions and, like, not dealing with those correctly. And Even just social power, like, before he gets his, yeah, his he, psychic yeah. powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With he's the on the uh, council. student council yeah that arc and is so real it's, <laughs> it's so real and like that Man. yeah he he falls before he awakens his psychic powers mm-hmm.
3: like he's like he yeah. just he is faced with how real the corruption of power is on such a small scale yeah. but you understand what it's talking about mm-hmm. like it's like give people power and let them make like decisions that place more value on certain people and yeah. like that is already them losing their humanity to
1: mm-hmm. an extent. And this, this kind of like the discussion of power kind of plays into the, um, like one of the things I wanted to talk about about this show, um, which I know I said I couldn't narrow it down to one, but I think I accidentally did. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and it, <laughs> um, the show talks a lot about like responsibility and like not just responsibility for your power, but also responsibility like your like personal internal responsibility for your emotions yes and like especially in season one with like ritsu realizing that like the problems that he's having and the feelings that he's having actually don't have anything to do with mob and don't have anything to do with psychic powers it's just like it is his own personal bitterness and things that he needs to deal with differently and better yeah does that make sense totally and um and it's also like plays out in like mob deciding that he needs to take responsibility for setting his own goals and for setting his own like his own life direction and deciding what he wants to do. Yep. Um and then also in the end of season 1 with Reagan's takedown of every member of the Section 7 Claw, Scar, Upper Echelons where yeah. he's just like you you all like think that you don't have control over what you're doing and over your emotions because you blame it on society or you blame it on the bad things that have happened to you. And like you just you need—that's something personal that you need to deal with—and you just have to learn, like, yeah. how to take responsibility for what's yours, and how to live in the society that way. Yeah, you
2: stopped yeah. growing because um, you isolated yourself. Yeah, and, like, oh, yeah. Fed, he fed that. on your yeah. own negative emotions, and mob, mm-hmm. mob
3: echoes that later to Suzuki, yep. where yeah. Suzuki tells him that he's never going to grow up, and he's like, "Actually, it's you who hasn't grown up since middle yeah. school." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa."
1: Yeah, and I guess that is like the very basis of the like, be the protagonist of your own life.
3: God, that's a good line.
1: I don't want to
0: say, with great power comes great responsibility. But <laughs> <God> damn
4: it! <laughs> don't say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it just it happens on like large scales, like with Suzuki, and also on very very small scales. I think a lot.
3: I yeah, I think you're you're exactly right.
1: Yeah, and it's I guess it is the the whole Mogami arc also is Boy. kind of about that.
3: I think that yeah, <laughs> no, really, Mark. Yeah, being with, I think it's saying with any amount of power comes personal yeah. responsibility, mm-hmm. and it is also emphasizing not just that like, um, like a real power comes from like a place of decisions and emotions. It's saying that mm-hmm. like your small interactions have that same kind of power dynamic effect on people. Yeah. If you try to set yourself above other people in mm-hmm. any capacity, like for anything from Ritsu having like a small amount of social influence in in the student council Mm -hmm. and like that kind of ruining a couple of people's lives just by the way he treats them yeah like to reagan kind of brushing off mob that one time and telling him that his like his feelings don't matter like Mm -hmm. how much that affects other people and that being like like a thing that you are responsible for in the way your actions affect other people yeah dude one Even, is so uh,
2: like one is so anti-hierarchy of any kind like yeah it's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable like uh, through his work like <laughs> one punch and this like from the like very sort of big structural political hierarchies to like like you said the social ones like yeah. thinks that they're all artificial and all shitty and get in the way of what's really important there's this sp- and hurt other there's people. a
0: speech that uh, or sort of a lecture, I guess that that Reagan gives Mob Mob pretty early on in the first season, where he basically says that like people like you and me, uh, we have these powers, and it's incredibly easy for us to feel superior to others because others don't have them, and we know as much, mm-hmm. um, and that's why we have to constantly be aware of them and like basically fight to not feel superior because as soon as we do that, then that's basically like the downfall of you know us in a you know living in a society in a in a a polite society and that's a lesson i really like i i think is a very good thing to internalize just for like anybody because like even though like Mm -hmm. espers aren't Mm -hmm. real in the real world like they're certainly both from a sense of like actual power where you're like wielding like political power or religious power or whatever over like other people you know power corrupts and, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Like, it's a truism, but it's, it's you know, it's true. We see it time and time again. Uh, more people are corrupted by power than aren't. And uh, it's it's a lesson I wish I was taught early in life because not only that, like, you know, the, the other type of thing is like, you know, if you're better at something than somebody else, it's very easy to use that to lord it over them. Uh, and <laughs> mm-hmm. that gives you an immense amount of social power um you know it's it's as simple as like i'm better i'm a great soccer player and people look up to me because of that but i could very easily use that power to you know sort of cheat or put somebody else down or wield that power incorrectly and i feel like it's a really good out like you know sort of allegory for that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously psychic power in that show is an allegory for like 50 different things at once, but it's a really great allegory for like social and political and religious power. And just like the types of power that um, are very like, is not that hard to come by sometimes.
2: I think Mazato at one time, she's thinking about the two Kageyama brothers and comparing them. And she says, boy, it sure is true that people aren't born equal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah. like it's just a throwaway line or whatever, but like I think like one is like not naive about that being true and that's why like I think he wants to like treat on this theme over and over because in small ways and big ways we have to be vigilant, right? Like like Reagan said, "Do you do you remember mm-hmm. like There's a scene in the second season. I don't remember exactly what episode, but it's toward the end when Mob encounters the uh, artificial espers who are looting. And he's like mad at them because they're looting a place that he and I think Ritsu went to. And he's like, You think your powers are so great, but could you grow those vegetables that you are stealing? Like, could you fix the door? that you've yeah. broken. Mm-hmm. Um, could you have the idea that these people that ran this place had to have, like, a free raffle? Like, uh, people are all so different, but just because you have this one kind of difference doesn't mean that you are superior to them in any fundamental way.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, my gosh, that feels so relevant yeah, today. Yeah, because it feels <laughs> yeah. like
0: one is kind of positing that, uh, like polite and progressive society is sort of a crucible in which like good people are made uh, and using your powers in any way to like sort of skirt that uh, is like the, the path to corruption and the path to, Mm. to, you know, destruction essentially because also like that, that power is tied to the exploitation of other people.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. For myself, now that yeah i have also like four different interpretations of what the <laughs> message is. and i think there could also just be one for season one and one for mm-hmm. season two but um i think if i had to pick one that stood out most to me it would be the be the protagonist of your own life concept um but like the way it hit me personally like mark i think you're right that the show does not really have a lot that seems very like practical or really complex about like i guess like villains it doesn't have enough to say about like how to confront true evil on a like (laughs) like what do those people deserve and like how do you actually deal with that yeah and like stop it and i think because it is telling the story of a child (laughs) right i think the story that it is mostly trying to tell and that it like the the theme i took away is that like one person cannot compensate for the unfairness of the world Mm -hmm. in like even sometimes small situations like with uh with mob and his brother mob has to recognize that like he does have different and possibly even better powers than his brother and like it's not his fault that he was given them and he can't like change that he cannot change Mm -hmm. that like inequality dynamic that they have and it's like frustrating to both of them and he can't like erase that kind of pain that they have Mm -hmm. but like what he can do is just like be a good brother Mm -hmm. and like like make sure that he is caring about his brother every single day he's such a good brother oh my (laughs) gosh i i was even worried in that arc i was like oh man are they gonna make Ritsu out to be this like horrible villain we're supposed to hate him but like they didn't they did so good and like (laughs) but yeah i think like even the (laughs) the op in season two ends with that line your life is your own Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and i think a huge message is you are responsible for your own decisions, so A, do not let anyone else or anything control them. Yeah. Because, of the, like, there are literal cults that pop up in this show, mm-hmm. and um especially, we haven't even mentioned Serizawa, um, oh, yeah. who is, like, such a, like, a concentrated example of a person who is being manipulated in a, like, mm-hmm. power-structure cultic environment, and, like, his downfall is that he gives away his decision-making power. Mm-hmm. And, like, that that is the wrong thing he did. Yeah.
2: Because, Such like, a, like, dark timeline version of Mob. Yeah. yeah.
3: It's, like, even though he um, was... He had nice intentions and, like, is a pretty good person at heart. Mm-hmm. Like, he is still making bad decisions and he's still responsible for them. Because even if someone else told him to do them, he still gave away his power to do that. Yeah. And, like, that is the wrong in itself. And also, sorry, um, in mob's final like moment in the big fight when he's confronting suzuki he like basically has that moment where he's like what if i can't win and then he kind of has a little moment i wish i had the exact phrasing where he he, oh he says he says winning and losing isn't the end all and be all in human relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where he's like he basically admits like yeah i can't maybe i can't stop you and i cannot like fix this unfairness that we have but like what is my responsibility and how to react to the situation? And he basically says that he's going to choose to like be the person that he wants to be in that moment, whether it solves the situation or not, Mm -hmm. because like that is the one thing he does have full power over is like how to decide how to act and how to personally respond. And he does that by being like the kind of person I am is to have the value of like empathy. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: that's what I'm going to do in this moment because I don't think I can do anything to stop it.
1: Yeah. I have the line from when we were rewatching that. Um, from when he says uh, having powers doesn't mean everything works out for you yes uh, but it's fine as long as you make the important decisions yourself yeah and like I think there's a thread that runs through it about keeping track of what's influencing your decisions mm-hmm. and making sure that it's really you and not someone else and like mm-hmm. even like even Onigawara has a moment when they finally come and apologize to him like hey we like framed you for this and he has that moment of like what you guys did was really really shitty but also like, I'm partly responsible for the fact that everyone was ready to turn on me.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man.
3: But also, he's like, I knew what you were doing. Like, yeah. He's like, I wasn't stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he, in a sense, he was like, I didn't need you your apology because like I knew you were wrong all along. Yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't let it
2: happen again, Shadow Leader.
0: Yeah, yeah it's almost like he knew the entire time that the apology was coming. He just kind of had to wait for it mm-hmm. because... Yes. yeah. When they told him and they apologized to him, there was zero expression of surprise. He was just like, yeah, "Yeah, that was kind (laughs) of shitty. But you know what? Like, we're all shitty, right? Like, basically, like, we all, like, have our own problems we have to deal with. And, like, you know, I dealt with mine and you just dealt Mm -hmm. with yours. and Which is... Like again, like another one of these, like you know, incredible. Uh, well, it's incredible, <laughs> but it's also like a, 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 a something that I was really impressed with. Uh, Danny, you were saying that they don't, you know, they don't rely on on tropes. You know, Onigawara is is telegraphed from <laughs> his first appearance as like the tropiest trope on earth, like the mm, young yeah. delinquent.
2: Yeah. But they are rolling the further. He, yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> he's the further so he's
0: good. characterized the more that you realize, like, oh, no, like, this dude is, like, he's a delinquent just because he wants to, like, be strong. Like, he just wants mm-hmm. to, like, he wants to get, like, muscles and fight people. Which is uh, what everyone in the show reasons. is trying to do in that yeah. way. Yeah, like, it, like even in, in uh, like, when he first shows up to class, uh, right before he gets, like, sort of named and shamed for supposedly, you know, stealing the... Perfect attendance? The, yeah, perfect attendance yeah. and great grades. <laughs> like, that's oh, not God. what he's all about. That's so funny. That's not... <laughs> Yeah, but he has perfect. Att- he literally says, "I don't. I didn't want to ruin my perfect attendance record." And like the way that he interacts with the class is so like, like anti-Yankee. Like he he he, he conducts himself in that way, like personality-wise. But like the way that he speaks to people that he's not about to beat up, uh, is you know, it's almost like he you know, there's like a decorum to like fights and then outside of that he just kind of has his own personal way of of speaking that is completely not indicative of his personality which I think mm-hmm. is really cool.
2: And the body improvement club <laughs> never turned on him and that's when that I, I was like these guys <laughs> yeah. are fucking Musashi the actively best.
0: actively fought for him so yeah. much that he put his mm-hmm. reputation his own reputation on the line which is crazy because there's so much about you know honor and and you know upholding what is good and just and all that even though that's like you know not really a stated goal of like they're all like fucking samurai like bushido like they all follow (laughs) this very strict code of of you know muscly honor and musashi is like the number one of that and he has a very strict moral code clearly and but the fact that he you know he stuck up for him it, it was it made me it very it made me very emo I was, I really (laughs) like, I fucking love Musashi. He's probably one of my favorite characters other than, uh, Onigawara (laughs) and Musashi are both two characters that I love a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And seeing him stick up for Onigawara was, was really cool and unexpected because if this is any other anime, he like he would have gotten his face shoved down completely in the dirt. Yes, Yeah. He yes. would have, he yeah. would have just been destroyed and it would have been focusing on his misery instead of trying to, you know, espouse the show's morality. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just,
2: yeah. yeah, really cool. It was great. And they, and they never like laughed at mob. They never laughed at Kageyama. Like, and at first you think, Oh, they're just kind of dumb. But as the show progresses, you see, like, well, they they actually really care about people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's so good. Like they they're just loyal to their friends, and they they do nice things for them. Like when they go to the family restaurant yeah. <laughs> for that guy's <laughs> birthday for <laughs> to someone they barely know. Like they're such like genuinely good souls, uh, we... and so not what you'd expect are we yeah. talking
0: about the body improvement club yes fully yes why no, don't we okay is that our, is that <laughs> we've, our segue? And, we've engaged okay good 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 because i will go a back of... to other stuff we yeah. have a whole section um,
3: devoted to them in the outline
0: <laughs> i i do think the body improvement club is the perfect distillation of the second season's relationship with like using power to help others yeah. uh specifically mm-hmm. like violent power um mm-hmm. because there is that scene where um oh god i i want to call him shiro Emiya, but it's not Shiro <laughs> Emiya. it's the guy who voices him yeah no, i know who you're talking about mogami the, um, yeah 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 wait, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. The, the teleporting guy, right? guy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah no that's how i think of him too yeah yeah
0: i just call him shiro because he's literally just doing the voice he's doing the yeah. shiro voice oh wait which which person is it it's not mogami um, like, it, oh yeah. god
3: does
2: it, does oh it the teleporter like the, guy yeah. He yeah. Said. yeah yes okay yeah, it is yeah, shimazaki yeah. you're correct yes, yes, the, yes. okay, yeah. the guy with no eyes <laughs>
0: um, i believe it's uh i forgive me because the details they things start to run together um there's a scene where dimple uh, towards the end possesses musashi uh after the bo- body improvement club it confronts someone and i want to say it's shimazaki
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe I it's meant not. to rewatch that. I'm episode. trying to remember. So good.
0: Um but before that, yeah, just their 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 complete willingness to intervene on Mob's behalf. Basically no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Um uh it, multiple times like it happens in the first season too when they go to rescue him after he gets mm-hmm. kidnapped. Um and they just beat ass for like a solid 15 minutes <laughs> and then like the next <laughs> scene is like them standing over just like a pile of bodies. I think they more than anybody else in that show represent like maybe my own personal morality when it comes to using like physical violence to protect other people, uh, -hmm. or like to protect the vulnerable, because like, I'm very, like, I'm almost like, you know, I, I border on zealotry sometimes when it comes (laughs) to like protecting, you know, people who are marginalized and people who are, are, are vulnerable and people who are, um, being exploited, Uh, And I feel like they really, you know, outside of all of the sort of very like anti-toxic masculinity, like positivity that they represent within the show, I feel like they also really represent sort of this platonic ideal of like using your own personal power to, if not help others, then at least like defend them from those that would would take advantage of them or or, you know, cause them physical harm or emotional distress you so, know. like
2: creating this community of positivity.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, they're very, yeah, like I said, they're very like anti-toxic masculinity. Like they're, they're very, they're incredibly masculine, but in, in the best way, they're like almost therapeutically masculine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <so true>. uh, <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> totally. Uh, it's like very much a celebration of like the most positive aspects of masculinity and like how you can use your own masculinity to sort of improve yourself uh and sort of live by like a very moral code that um you know isn't necessarily explicitly masculine but they use it in a way that's like very you know i mean they're all like big beefy boys so Mm -hmm. it's it's anything they do is inherently masculine just by their appearance but yeah uh yeah going back to like the 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 sort of therapeuticness of it all um a lot of the techniques that they use are a lot of techniques that my therapist also uses like um that. yeah she's very tough on me about self-talk um like how i um speak to myself in my own head mm-hmm. uh i'm often very like negative and critical of myself like yeah who who fucking isn't but uh, i mean you're <laughs> right there that's <laughs> that's it uh, uh, basically, you know, like belittling myself and 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 that type of stuff, and like Mob also, you know, very easily does that, mm-hmm. uh, and they never ever let him. They are relentless in their positivity about him. They reward him profusely when when he gets something right, and mm-hmm. then when he doesn't, instead of belittling him or berating him or anything that you know would normally be associated with this sort of like hyper-masculine workout environment. They instead use energy to just basically obliterate that negativity and, and, you know, allow him to continue improving himself Mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, in his own sense. Um, So, yeah, I always thought that was super interesting because like every time they showed up, they were just like this unstoppable force of positivity and, every little thing that you can reward someone for they do uh it's really really cool to see and i don't know how much of that it was intentional and how much of it is just them playing into like a very specific character trope because again they also do fit pretty easily into a into a character trope in some aspects like the you know the the muscly man with a code of honor is is Mm -hmm. everywhere to be found in anime but they're very specific
1: you know deviations from that that i think are really interesting
3: uh-huh. mm-hmm. okay what were you gonna say
1: oh just that uh, yeah every single time they showed up i was like damn that's exactly the energy i need in my life
3: <laughs> yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it's not about winners and losers with them just like yeah. exactly what saying.
1: i love them <laughs>
3: they're the best
0: yeah they're great they're fantastic fantastic role models for like i i wish more anime could so nonchalantly tackle toxic masculinity in the way that they (laughs) Mm -hmm. do. Like, none of it ever feels, like, moralizing. It all just feels very natural.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's, There's never... A scene that they're in that is a bad scene. It's mm-hmm. true. They're yeah. all good scenes. Yeah, it's very true. I love
3: so. I love so much after the final battle where they go back to the school just because they need clothes. And he's there, <gasps> and he's like, "What's up? Is it time for like training camp arc? Let's go!" Oh my <laughs> <Yeah. God. laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Oh please, I just need a nap." <laughs> yeah. And
2: you think for a second, like whenever Reagan picks up the tracksuit and Mushashi just appears like tracksuit thief, and you're like, "Is he just been there the whole like? Did they just live there?" <laughs> yeah. But no, it was training camp time.
0: Reagan's like, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to catch a cab home. I'll see you guys later. Like do whatever.
3: So good. (laughs) And that concludes part one of our Mob Psycho 100 podcast. Check out the next episode for the second half of this conversation, which will go up in a few days. Thanks for listening. And until part two, take care of yourselves.